A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Vittoria la Royal Mallorca! Vittoria, 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 Metropolitano! Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown for our Match Day 16 recap. That was the sound of Mallorca's win at the Wanda Metropolitano, the shock of the round. I'm your host, Matt Clark, and I'm joined by Rory Barlow. Rory, how are you today? Yeah, I'm excellent. I'm a bit better than yesterday, which was a, a, a chastening day for any Barcelona fans watching. But uh, yeah, a good weekend, another weekend in the books, and uh, yeah, another weekend closer to Christmas. Exactly, yes, the festive season is well underway and there was a few gifts uh, from some La Liga sides this, this weekend too. So we'll get <laughs> on to all of that. But let's just have a quick run through of the results. It began on Friday night, Granada at home to Alaves um, and Alaves went behind and it seemed for all the world that they would equalise but they missed a host of chances, some of them pretty inexplicable misses. But then Granada scored for them, slicing uh, Luis Abram into his own net but then Santiago Arias off the bench got the winner for Robert Moreno's side. On to Saturday and it was the Unai Emery derby at the Sanchez Pituan and it was Lucas Acampos who scored the only goal of the game, Sevilla recording a 1-0 win. Then, as you mentioned Rory, at the camp now, Barcelona 0, Real Betis 1. Juanmi, the man of the moment, scored yet again. He is absolutely flying at the moment, five goals in his last three in La Liga. And then if you thought Barcelona's home defeat was a bit of a surprise, well, head over to the Wanda Metropolitano. As we say, Mallorca, 2-1 winners coming from behind to beat the champions. An incredible result for Luis Garcia Plaza. And we'll get plenty more on that game in part two. Saturday closed out at Real Arena. Real Sociedad nil, Real Madrid 2. Karim uh, Benzema went down injured in the first half to uh, the kind of collective gasp of all Real Madrid fans. But uh, they needn't have worried because they still had Vinny and they had Luka Jovic as well, a goal and an assist from the forgotten man. And uh, they are now eight points clear at the top of the table. On to Sunday's games and Vallecas was bouncing once again as Arroyo recorded another win, 1-0 over Espanyol. This was also an own goal, but it didn't matter as uh, Arroyo are top of the home form table. Incredible from them. They still haven't lost at home on their return to La Liga. Then an Edge Francisco debuted as coach in La Liga. And they got a 3-1 win over Cadiz. Um, very impressive from Elche. Cadiz now conceded 11 goals in their last three games as they slipped down the table. Very concerning times for them. Then we headed to the Ciutat de Valencia. Uh, temporary coach Alessio Lisi on the bench for Levante. 
but he couldn't avoid them equaling the record for the longest winless run in La Liga history. 24 matches now, they haven't managed to find the win. A goalless draw with Osasuna in that one. And then Sunday finished off at Balaidos. Valencia also coming from behind to win 2-1 at Celta. Maxi Gomez returned and of course scored. He didn't, say, he didn't celebrate out of respect for his former club. But Celta, they are awful at home. They, no one has lost more games in front of their own fans than Celta, six. And only two teams have won fewer games at home. So yeah, concerning times for Celta and uh, Chacha Gridet could be under a little bit of pressure. But uh, Rory, we'll, uh, we'll head over to you now and uh, your take on Barca against Betis. Yeah, well, we'll get into the kind of the Barcelona perspective on uh, with Roman in a little moment. But firstly, just credit to Betis because, yeah, I, I think most people will focus on Barcelona and their woes in front of goal. But fair play to Betis. And I, I'm going to have to really apologise here because I've forgotten which player it was. But one of the players, uh, one of the Betis players said that Pellegrini told them on the Friday, we're going to win. We are going to go to camp now and we're going to be victorious. And... They came through on that promise. I think, in a way, Betis, they were one of the most conservative versions of Betis that we've seen under Pellegrini. He was sort of reluctant to commit too many bodies forward, but he he knew that Barcelona would give them opportunities. He knew that if they kept it tight, if they kept a clean sheet, essentially, they would get their chance. And once you get that chance, Canales probably... In, in terms of a player who can break down a defence, who can split defence open, probably the best player on the pitch. Ice cool in the box and just kind of waits for his opportunity to slide one me in. And uh, yeah, they knew they would get their chance. They they were organised, they were structured and it wasn't the most Pellegrini, Betis style victory, but they got what they came for. Absolutely. And you mentioned Sergio Canales there, an incredible counter-attack from them, which resulted in Juanmi scoring that goal. Um, yeah, I think you're right. As you say, Barca very profitable get in front of goal lately. They're, they're not scoring too many, uh, either under Koeman or indeed now under Xavi. So, um, as you say, teams are kind of more confident in approach now when they can just kind of sit back, soak it up and then play on the counter. Um, so, yeah, let, let's get that Barcelona perspective then as, uh, as you were speaking to Roman Darque. I'm joined by Roman de Arquer to review Xavi's first defeat for Barcelona and they went down 1-0 to Real Betis in the Camp Nou for the second time in their last four visits of the of the Betis side. First of all, how are you doing Roman? And second of all, what did you make of that game? What did you see yesterday in, in terms of kind of the chess match? Hi uh, Rory, well I mean um, I'm not doing as well maybe as other weeks of course because it was <laughs> maybe a bit of a um, Unexpected defeat, maybe not so much, but definitely um, a defeat we want to avoid because Barcelona right now, you know, are fighting uh, for the Champions League, for Europa League, we could even say, and Betis were ahead of them and now they're further away. And that really needed uh, to be Barca's uh, train to catch up, you know, to, to get closer to them, to get closer to those top positions, and we lost it. And it's very unfortunate because 
Um, it seems like uh, the chubby effect, some are saying in Madrid, is, is already fading away a bit. And I mean, it does feel like the intensity we saw in the first couple of games against Espanyol, against Benfica, where the team looked really, really uh, intense, really, really good going forward. Uh, they were just lacking that uh, creativity or maybe they're finishing those chances up at the top. Uh, but they still, they still look like they were progressing. And then these two next games against Villarreal and um, Betis now, it feels like Barca have lost a bit of, of track and, and they're not playing as well. They do start off the games really well, I think, in both. They start pretty pretty good, had some decent chances. Coutinho could have scored right at the beginning. Uh, but then they quickly fade off a bit, you know, and that intensity I was talking about isn't uh, as, as strong maybe as it was uh, a few weeks back. But also, let's keep in mind that it's, uh, we're halfway through the season, you know, players aren't at their best. Xavi got the team in the middle and, and it's normal, it's going to be tough. I mean, um, even if Xavi doesn't do well this season, I think we can't put all the blame on him because it's definitely a very complicated year. It's the year after Messi, we could say, you know, and it was always going to be tough and we're seeing it right now. And in that game against Betis, uh, I just think Barca lacked the capability of taking control. You know, uh, people know Barca is a team that dominates, that has the ball, that... Uh, um, has control and, and Barca didn't really have this against Betis. Betis were, are a smart team. Pellegrini laid, laid the game out really well. In the second half, it's true that with Dembélé coming on, Frankie, the team looks much better, much more dangerous, much more vertical. Also, the change in formation, but uh, it still wasn't enough. And one of those classic counterattacks where Barca. Unfortunately, couldn't do well enough and uh, Betis got the win. So, a bit disappointed with the result, but we have to keep fighting and, and keep looking forward. Yeah, and credit to Sergio Canales, who was calmness personified in that counter-attack as he kind of pulled the Barcelona defence apart. You mentioned the Efecto Xavi, as um, <laughs> El Chiringuito likes yeah. to say, and the lack of it. I mean, we've sort of talked in the first game about how we saw a little bit of difference and we saw that intensity that you, you mentioned just there. For me, I think that the Messi factor is looming very large mm -hmm. and in terms of players taking the responsibility to play that final ball Barcelona really are kind of missing something Indeed. but in terms of an overall idea what has been the effect of Xavi for you? Well, I mean, I think Victor Xavi is, is is hope, you know, a bit for, for the for the fans, for the players it was like a, a new face, someone people were waiting for because let's be honest Xavi has been talked about for a long, long time, since before he retired, I'd even say, or, or he left Barcelona, you know. Everyone was hoping he'd be the new Guardiola. Of course, expectations are high, and that's never really something that's going to do him a favour. But still, I think people believe that Xavi, you know, could, could be a positive effect. And when he came on, you just, if you saw the training, um, things Barca were doing, you could tell the players were so much more happier, so much more uh, into it, you know. They're, they're really giving their... They're 100%, I think, to Xavi. It's just we need to see that reflected on the field more regularly. For example, as we were saying, the first few games, the intensity was great, but then I felt like in the last couple of games, the pressure wasn't as organized. It felt like one guy might go, the other one isn't sure. And of course, I mean, these things take time. You can't just uh, implement the idea of how to press uh, from one day to another. This is going to take a while, and the players have to understand this and, and be capable of pressing as a whole. And that's something, for example, I have missed in these last games because it feels like yeah, they're, they're a bit lost in that sense. And also going forward, um, I feel like with Xavi, which is a bit surprising, the team doesn't want to have the ball as much, but the, as soon as they have the ball, they push forward. Against Betis, for example, when they would recover it, they would lose it very quickly because they would just go forward, try and attack, maybe find a counter or find those spaces before Betis could get organized. And I guess that's good if, if you have quality up front that can 
really do damage, but unfortunately that's not the case at the moment. We're struggling, then we would lose the ball really quickly, Betis would uh, regain control and then it would be tougher for us. So I kind of feel like in that sense Xavi maybe has to work a bit more in being more patient, maybe moving the ball a bit, even boring uh, the rival opponent if we have to say it that way. But, um, I mean, I'm not chubby in the end, it's just uh, some things I see and we still have to wait and see what he's capable of doing. But, as I said, we have to give him time. This isn't easy halfway through a season. Uh, we saw it for Setien last season when he, when he got the team in the middle of the season and things were really, really tough for him. So, I mean, uh, very few managers are capable of coming in and, and then the next day, you know, uh, changing the whole uh, feeling of the club. Yeah, definitely. I, I've also been surprised by how how vertical Xavi's Barcelona have been. I think, in general, a lot of us expected this to be possession football <laughs> yeah. and to be very heavy, but that hasn't played out so far. One team they will need to at least hold on to the ball with some sort of uh, degree of confidence against is Bayern Munich. Coming up on Wednesday, it's the final group game, the decisive group game for Barcelona. They must either... I think they need to match or better Benfica's results um, in order to go through. What are Barcelona's chances here? What can we expect? Well, when they ask me this, I keep saying uh, we depend on Dinamo Kiev, honestly, because uh, <laughs> Bayern at the moment are just at an incredible level. Uh, they just beat um, Borussia Dortmund 3-2 the other day. And I mean, uh, they're a team that's going to clearly dominate Barcelona I just don't see Barca being capable of suddenly out of nowhere playing better and getting a win I mean of course miracles happen in football we've seen it plenty of times and especially with Barca in the uh, late few years we have seen some some incredible comebacks but I mean I just don't really see that happening because Bayern are such a consistent dominant strong team they have so much quality up front uh, if we at some point have to go forward and push forward in the counter-attack they can absolutely smash us and, I mean, some are talking about a miracle because also, let's not forget that Bayern are going to play with no uh, public in the stands, so no fans are going to be there. That's kind of a positive for Barca, I guess, because they won't feel that extra pressure uh, all the Bayern fans bring to the stadium. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's going to have to be a perfect game from Barcelona and we're going to need luck, a lot of luck, honestly. And that's what I was saying. Dinamo Kiev did get a draw against Benfica in the first game. It's true they played at home that time. This time it's going to be away. It's going to be a lot tougher for them. And Benfica uh, are a good side. We saw it against Barca recently. And I mean, they can e perfectly beat uh, Dinamo Kiev. So we need some sort of miracle, maybe even a draw from both sides. But it's definitely going to be an extremely complicated uh, hill to climb. And I'm not sure we're going to be capable. Maybe we just have to think about Europa League and qualify to the Champions League through there like Villarreal did last season because in La Liga it's also going to be quite tough to get to those top four spots. Definitely. It's, uh, certainly Barcelona's chances of the knockout stages are on life support and uh, <laughs> I do share your, uh, not lack of optimism, <laughs> but certainly realism exactly. on that. But uh, thank you very much again, Roman, for, for giving up your time and for coming on. And uh, yeah, I will throw it back to the pod and back to Matt. Thank you very much, Rory and Roman, for that. As you say, a very big and important midweek for Barca in their season. Um, at the top of the table, though, is Los Blancos, Real Madrid. They had another win at Real Sociedad. Rory, they're, they're almost unassailable lead now, isn't it? Eight points clear. Okay, Sevilla have got a game in hand, but Real Madrid look pretty formidable, don't they? They do indeed. And I mean, I have to say I was a little bit disappointed with Real Sociedad here. I thought that they maybe could have troubled Real Madrid more. And I think if ahead of the week you would have said that 
Athletic would have troubled Real Madrid more than Real Sociedad. You would have been a bit surprised, and I think Real Sociedad would have been a bit disappointed with that. Um, I was also very sad, I have to say, that I missed out on Mikel Marino against Luka Modric because I thought that would have been a fantastic battle. He missed the game through injury. Um, Zerlot and Isak started up front. Oyarzabal also started, and I'm just not sure that there's enough width in that or... I mean, Yanez, I started as well. It's a really attacking lineup for me, Manol, but yeah, it didn't quite work. But there is a danger that we're kind of analysing this in hindsight, given that they competed pretty well in the first half. But the second half, just kind of Real Madrid got ahead and then took over. It was the, the kind of evening of the born-again stars for Real Madrid. Eder Militao, who received a lot of criticism when he joined and looked a little bit out of his depth, now... He, he was absolutely fantastic and he was very much saving a fair few chances from, from Real Sociedad from going in or going uh, or, or making Courtois make a save. I think Alaba, for me, has lacked a bit of positional sense or at least the ability to kind of track his markers lately and Militao has been the one that's kind of mopping up after him. And then Vinicius. I mean, we, we are getting to the point for me where he is a big-time player in the sense that when a team needs something, when you're you're drawing or you're sort of behind, they give him the ball. And like, what a turnaround that is from mm. from the, obviously the infamous Benzema comments. But the the way and, and again we kind of missed this game because it was a postponed game, which they caught up on in midweek. And Vinicius scores a goal where he sort of chests the ball inside, beats a player with his chest control, then sort of thumps the ball into the top corner in the sort of that that's invaluable you can't you i mean you obviously can buy that but there's very few players in the world who can you can go to for that and he's really starting to assert himself as kind of one of the star brazilians that we've seen in la liga now he he is the star man for real madrid and the difference maker right now um and the two of them as much as real madrid were pretty good in the second half they were the difference yeah i've Hass loves to, to say that he's he's far better than Neymar right now on current form. And, and you know what? It's, it's quite hard to disagree. That was uh, his 10th league goal of the season. That's the first time he's hit that mark. And uh, the first player born in 2000 or later to reach double figures in La Liga. Uh, so, yeah, very encouraging for Real Madrid. The one question mark I could throw up, though, is that rotation or lack of it. Um, the midfield three started once again. And... Uh, in previous seasons under Carlo Ancelotti, they've started like a train and then kind of faded into the spring because they just haven't had the rotations necessary. Do you think that's going to be a problem for them this time? Well, this is the thing. If they get out to enough of a lead, nobody's going to catch them, I don't think. Mm. I mean, if Atleti lose the derby next week and then, okay, yeah, you've got Sevilla, but if Sevilla are at eight points and that's your kind of greatest hope of reeling Real Madrid in, it looks pretty big for the rest of the league, it has to be said. And sure, if he if he manages to kind of establish a double-figure lead over his closest rivals in this kind of really chock-a-block period with by playing all these midfielders, then yeah, okay, that could be target achieved for, for Ancelotti and he could have enough to kind of see it out for the rest of the season. If it were me, I probably would have rotated a little bit more because, I mean, Luka Modric isn't getting any younger and I think the thing that maybe confuses or... Or, or certainly other fans 
and other sort of analysts are, are looking at is the fact that Camavinga and Valverde are adequate, very good replacements for these players mm. and, and they can come in and do a very good job. But, I mean, it's working and if Ancelotti comes out of this sort of flying, still kind of winning all of his games up until Christmas, well then you can't really question it, can you? True, yeah, they can only be what's in front of them and that is exactly what they're doing right now. Uh, you touched on Sevilla then, they had a 1-0 win over Villarreal, it was kind of Villarreal's own making, the kind of play, trying to play out from the back, giving the ball away, while Campos was in a lot of space in the box, just headed it beyond uh, Geronimo Rulli, it was kind of made in Argentina that goal, but um, yeah, they, they have got the game in hand, so it could be a five-point gap, but, but as you say, do we, are we really that confident that Sevilla can, can last? And also, my next question, how about Villarreal? They are only four points clear of the drop zone. Gerard Moreno came on in this game, but missed Sitter, a, a glaring opportunity by his standards. Um, it's just going all wrong for them, isn't it? Yeah, the Gerard Moreno miss, I mean, it's, it's a coincidence that he happened to be the one that comes back and misses that in a way. But there's a lot of talk about, and Alberto Moreno himself mentioned it in the post-game. He said, we're making lots of individual mistakes. Unai Emery has said it. And yeah, okay, that, that's part of it, but I think it's, it's part of a culture that kind of grows if lots of people are making individual mistakes and it's not just a two, three game spell. This has been all season, this has been happening. Right back to, to Isa Mandi's um, fantastic own goal <laughs> against Atleti at the Wanda. And yeah, there comes a point where you can't just put it down to individual mistakes. It's a culture of not being sharp enough. It's a culture of that sort of degree of hesitation within a match where you're playing the ball out from the back and you have to be a second faster than the opposition. And so, yeah, I think patience is really starting to run out for Emery. You mentioned the fact that they're so close to the drop zone and there's just no no real excuse for that. I think, I think the, the players are there to do better and I think you kind of have to establish a, sh a sharpness amongst your players and it's the same excuses that Ronald Koeman was using and Lord knows we pilloried Koeman, well, I'd say we, I think the media in general, um, for, for using those kind of excuses. And yeah, Emery, one way or another, has to win games. Mm. Speaking of which, they have an absolutely massive Champions League game in midweek, away in Bergamo against Atalanta. They only need a draw to qualify, so in a way that kind of... Well, does that actually make it harder? Because it would be tempting to set up for that draw, and we know Atalanta are very... Very strong team for goals. They've just uh, they've won away in Naples this weekend. They're right in the Serie A title race. They look a far better team than Villarreal right now, don't they? I mean, they do. The one thing I would say is Atalanta have themselves been their own worst enemies in at least the games against Manchester United, just as Villarreal were. So it's two teams that are liable to kind of concede quite a lot of goals in quite uh, bizarre manners, shall we say. So yeah, I, I think it could be an entertaining game. That conservatism, perhaps, yeah, maybe it puts a doubt into your mind as to what what you're going to do and how you're going to set out. But if I think Emery is much more comfortable in Europe, at least so far, that seems to be what we've seen. And I'd almost back him to get this result more than I would have done the severe result. Mm, interesting, interesting. Well, speaking of Europe, we've got uh, obviously a massive Champions League and Europa League round, the final round of the group stage this coming midweek. Let's just touch on that a little bit more. We've, uh, we've got Betis qualified uh, in second place for the uh, Europa League round of 32. Real Sociedad still needs some work to do. And in the Champions League, only Real Madrid are qualified. The other four all need to do 
their work on the final game. Obviously, Barca we've spoken about uh, with Roman. We've just touched on Villarreal. Sevilla too, they need to uh, beat Salzburg away. And then, of course, we've also got Atleti. And we're going to touch more on, on Atleti in part two. But um, which team do you think has the best chance of, of making it? And which team are you, are you fearing for? Um, fear is, is the wrong word because it's downright sort of a million to one shot for Barcelona for me. I mean, as Roman said, they are relying on Dinamo Kiev. I, I don't see them going through, to, to be perfectly honest. I think out of the ones that you mentioned, you have to maybe, just based on form, I think Sevilla have to be kind of the favourites to go through. I mean, on paper, they do have a better side than Salzburg, and I think Lopetegui has shown his chops in Europe as well. But as we've seen, they've, they've, not been, far, they've been far from convincing in Europe too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see what happens. Stay tuned to La Liga Legends coverage this week. We'll be all over that, that European midweek. Um, and it could be a, a massively significant one for a lot of clubs. One team that could be in next season's European competitions is Rayo Vallecano. Another impressive win. Um, you said off air it was absolutely textbook. Um, it was just a fabulous, fabulous watch, wasn't it? The leaves on the pitch uh, just added to it. It gave it that kind of local feel, real kind of community uh, hub there. Um, and yeah, we've spoken in previous pods about their strength on the left side. Yet again, that's where the goal came from. Um, yeah, just, just some more praise for Rio, if you would. Yeah, I, I mean, we'd be lying if uh, if we said that there wasn't quite a large contingent of the La Liga lowdown group that finds Rio very heartwarming, and especially the way they're playing in this form. They're one of the best watches in the league. That left-hand side is, uh, we mentioned it before, it's like a river going down that side. Nobody seems to be able to stop it. It was Alex Vidal who was drowning in it this this um, weekend, and from there came the goal. They did have to hang on a wee bit more, um, as you mm. mentioned sort of earlier off air, Matt. And uh, yeah, Espanyol did come back into it, but Rayo at home, it, it's an absolute fortress, and and it's really difficult to go there and get something. Espanyol maybe should have scored. Javi Puaro missed a gilt-edged opportunity, as they say yeah. in common parlance, but. Um, yeah, credit to Rayo, credit to Iraola and uh, long may it last. Manager of the year, without a doubt, so far. <laughs> um, bizarrely enough, only Celta were able to get anything from Vallecas, and that was a goal of straw on a Monday night a few match days ago. So, yeah, it's, it's going really strong for Rayo. And, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the top top six done, isn't it? That's uh, Rayo are ahead of Barcelona. That is that is a fact. They're four points clear. Barca have a game in hand, but, but four points clear gives them that advantage now. And uh, if you'd have said to anyone that it's going to be December and a newly promoted side would be ahead of Barcelona, you'd have got some pretty generous odds for that. So well done, Rayo. Um, as we said, join us after the break. We've got plenty more to come. Atletico Madrid is the headline. Of course, Mallorca's win at the Wanda. And we'll also touch on the rest of the, the action, the bottom half and the relegation scrap, as well as a couple of new debutante coaches and uh, some unwanted records. Stay tuned. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra 
and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown Match Day 16 recap. It's been a, a thrilling weekend of action. Only one draw, of course. And uh, the shock of the round, probably you would have to say, happened at the Wanda Metropolitano. So we're now joined by Owen, uh, another pod debutant after last week. He was at the Wanda Metropolitano and he spoke to Rory from Windy Madrid. La buscaba el uruguayo Luis Suárez en la frontal del área, toca Cubo hacia la parte derecha, viene la contra del Mallorca, ojo que arranca Cubo, no hay fuera de juego, ahí está Cubo mano a mano, Cubo mano a mano, Cubo mano a mano, Cubo, 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 gol, 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 from La Liga Lowdown. He was at the Wanda Metropolitano yesterday to see Atleti's shock 2-1 home defeat to Real Mallorca in the closing stages. An entertaining game for your first at the Wanda. Thank you very much for joining us, first of all, Owen, for coming on. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about kind of what you what you made of the game and what you made of Atleti from a very windy Madrid. Hi guys, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, but yeah, called the game yesterday, the Wanda. And yeah, the match itself, I felt that it was sort of flowing quite nicely in the first half. Um, Atleti had quite a few chances on goal. Um, I remember one that sticks out mainly was Cunha's, um, that he put slightly wide. But don't get me wrong, for as confident as Atleti looked building up, um, there was a couple of occasions where you thought that the Mallorca themselves would potentially have their own bit to say within the game, um, albeit having a, a quieter first half than the home side. Um, but yeah, in terms of what stood out, I thought that Kondogbia, um, Jeffrey Kondogbia had a good game. He was solid in midfield with Koke, both started well in the first half and um, were able to dictate the pace from there. And Jurene himself filling in at right back, as always, an attacking outlet. Um, and yeah, quite a lot for Atleti. In the first half, looked strongest when they were able to put balls in the box in that sort of area of the corridor, as it were, um, but unable to make the breakthrough. And then in the second half, obviously, we were able to make a, a breakthrough, not very established like, uh, sort of style, but um, yeah, Cunha would have been happy to, to get off the mark. Um, yeah, the crowd decided, as you can imagine, went wild. 
um, enjoyed the goal. And then after that, at 1 0, um, seeing Suarez come on, the crowd, I would say, felt, felt that they were in control of what was to come. Um, and yeah, New York had other plans, obviously. So yeah, with their progression in the game, they grew in confidence. Um, and always looked lethal, as I said, in the first half they had a few moments that looked like they could cause athletic problems. Uh, the equalising goal, uh, not massively out of the blue. Um, there was moments where Oblak had to sort of rally the troops in the build-up towards their, their first, um, Ferrosa. And yeah, and then soon after that, Cuba came on and yeah, it was nice to see a section of, of Mallorca fans behind the Athleti dugout um, with Japanese flags, uh, seeing the boy come on. And then, yeah, as you saw with his late winner, um, yeah, just ice, ice cold finish and yeah, made Athleti pay. So yeah, that's how I, uh, that's how I saw the game and to see the fans at the end uh, in the Mallorca away and go crazy. So yeah, a couple of moments of silence in the second half imposed upon the home side. But yeah, a great, great watch. Certainly doesn't help when you're defensively struggling and you miss your key chances, um, as was the case in this match. I'm curious actually just about kind of the atmosphere at the Wanda and kind of what you made of it, because the Atleti sport is one of the more, it's more likely to back its team, I think, and, and kind of pull them through. But I, I wonder, is there kind of any frustration at the Wanda? Because this is a really good team and their home results have not been great lately. So yeah, the, uh, this is my first time visiting the Wanda for a match. Um, I've been before, but, but not been able to catch a game. And the atmosphere around the stadium in the build-up was, yeah, amazing. Um, I was able to chat to a fan on the Metro on the way there. Um, who saw myself and, and a few of my, my good friends that were watching and heard that we were English and got chatting to me about the move from the Vincente Calderon uh, to the Wanda and how he'd been uh, Sofia for, for 33 years. And yeah, him saying that it, it just didn't feel like it had its own soul there. Um, and obviously when you're in the Metro hearing that before you get there, you kind of think, well, how is this going to go? Um, but as soon as we got off the Metro, the athletic fans that I saw were very good, very high spirits, uh, despite the weather being a bit chilly over here in Madrid at the moment. But uh, yeah, definitely warmed up with the atmosphere around the ground. And then once you're in the stadium and, and hearing the Athletic chant, uh, yeah, it was a, a very magical moment. Um, but yeah, this, this sort of maintained throughout the game. Um, you know, the fans are in good voice. And even, you know, at 1-1 when, when the York equalised, they were quick to try and rally the rally the troops and get the, their efforts going again, but obviously unable to do so. And um, yeah, the reaction to the second was a bit of shock, uh, despair. Um, yeah, far from the New Yorker delight, but, um, you know, chance of Atleti um, rang around the ground after the second goal went into New Yorker. Um, but yeah, just... Uh, just wasn't to be for them um, and yeah definitely lived up to perhaps the, the Pupas curse of the Jinx ones but um, yeah I think they'll just be frustrated more than anything that they weren't able to uh, to close the gap especially with 
the noisy neighbours of uh, Real Madrid able to kick on this weekend. But yeah, the atmosphere, uh, 10 out of 10. Enjoyed it very much. It's reassuring to hear that at least the Atleti crowd has not lost the faith. Just kind of looking ahead to their crucial match in Portugal with Porto at the Estadio do Dragão. Can Atleti get that crucial win they need? Because they've really struggled in the Champions League so far, and this is about as this is win or go home kind of thing. Do they have enough, in your view, to kind of to kind of go there and yeah, take the three points from Porto? Um, so yeah, as you say, um, a big game to come against Porto in Europe, and for me, if they are to be successful and uh, get back on track after this somewhat shock defeat to, to Mallorca, um, then I think it's just going to have to come from the front too. Uh, Griezmann had a, had a solid game, Cunha obviously scored, but there was a sort of um, a lacking of uh, aura around that duo when the balls are coming in from out wide. Um, so yeah, I would, I would have to say that um, they're just going to have to be tighter up front and, and try and be uh, more persistent and have a bit more of edge to the attack. Um, I mean, even when Suarez came on, he was he was sort of unable to impact the game. Uh, Felix had a chance later on, but they didn't look to give Mallorca's defence too too many headaches, um, even from corners. You know, speaking on corners, um, if they had to come up against Mallorca and and be under the caution, you know, games running on and it's nil nil and whatnot, there might be a few few nerves around. Um, but yeah, going forward, they just need to, to execute more and take the chances. And like Cunha in the first half, you need to kind of be finishing those. But um, I think for them to, to come back uh, again stronger against the uh, Porto, the movement is good. Movement's key. The midfield's where they're probably the strongest. They're not focusing on the defence. Obviously, Savage being out so unionist again. But yeah, it's just looking at, at trying to find that that clinical that clinical edge when it comes into the attacking areas. Whether Suarez can provide that, whether he'll come in. Um, first, I think he'll but Simeone will persist with Griezmann and Cunha because uh, he did link up well. Uh, but yeah, it will be interesting to see, uh, and I'm sure the fans of Atleti that are listening will will be hoping for better reason. But yeah, all the best. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Rory and Owen. I, um, I reckon Diego Simeone will be looking for some of the answers blowing in that wind there. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's reflect on the rest of the action then. And mainly this is the bottom half of the relegation battle. Um, a good week for Granada and Elche. Uh, not so good for Alaves, Gadith and, and Levante, you'd have to say. Um, although they got a draw and a clean sheet, they need wins. Uh, so this is how it looks at the bottom. We have to even say Villarreal are amongst it because they're on 16 points. Felta, 16 points as well. Granada and Elche just below them on 15. And then below them, Alaves, they are just above the dotted line. And then below them, Cadiz on 12, Hetafe on 10, who play on Monday night. And then Levante, 8 points. Uh, the only team without a win this season, in fact, as you say, 239 days since their last victory in La Liga. And that was against Eibar. Rory, um, how do you assess the relegation battle and uh, you know what, what would you pick from the games we've seen, uh, mostly on Sunday but uh, and also Friday night, but um, yeah, how, how do you assess the relegation scenario? 
Yeah, I'll start on uh, Friday night with the chronological sort of order. The great migration of hair from Javi Calleja's head <laughs> has well and truly underway this weekend because Alaves just did almost everything they could to sort of avoid winning or even taking a point from this match in which they pretty much dominated. They had all sorts of chances. Tony Moya, um, recent MVP, missed an open goal. Madre Moya. <laughs> they did so much without um, without finding the net. When they eventually did find the net, courtesy of Luis Abrama, as you said, they then went and conceded sort of pretty much straight after. And yeah, I mean, I felt for Javi Kieja. I messaged you, I think, saying on the evening, I really like Javi Kieja as a Kieja as a manager, but my one maybe sort of doubt about him is he's not that lucky. He doesn't have yeah. the floor. Um, and yeah, Robert Moreno with a robo, um, fair play to Granada, who do, at the very least, seem to be fighting for him. Yes, and I think the fans were with them all the way, whether that's the team uh, more than the manager, that's for sure. But um, we obviously heard from Heath last week at length about Granada. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's still a tough place to go, Los Caimanes. And I think with, with the fans kind of behind the team, that's, that could, could be enough for them to kind of get enough points. But uh, yeah, how about... How about um, Salta then? They're, they're just horrendous away, f- uh, horrendous at home, aren't they? Yeah, I, I wonder if this is just kind of a, a game where we have to accept that this is where these two teams are. They are, they will, they have a system. They can be good on the day. They do have quality players, but there's so many holes and flaws within these sides that you're going to get games that are full of mistakes and when it comes to it, they're probably not going to be able to push for Europe because of those mistakes. I mean, Celta conceded a, their second goal and as much as it was poor defending, I do want to give a shout out to Maxi Gomez who opens his body up and uh, and sort of like jinx past Nesso Araujo in, in a very nice fashion. But yeah, both these teams made really large mistakes. Iago Aspas punished one, Maxi Gomez another. And yeah, I, I think both of these sides, like I say, they have value to offer, but they are three or four players short or perhaps a bit more time with their manager short of, of becoming sort of a real formidable side like Granada did kind of like in recent years or like Catafe did in recent years, a side which might not have the quality of, say, a Barcelona, a Betis, but they can mix it with anyone because they're so tight, they're so organized and they don't make mistakes. These sides do make mistakes, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was quite, it was quite an entertaining game, but uh, again, one where the managers and their hair were um, slightly <laughs> fearing the worst. Well, Bordelas has already had a hair, you know, kind of radical transformation <laughs> himself, so uh, he's got to be careful. Um, yes, uh, right at the bottom then, we have Levante. Um, On to their third coach of the season. Um, interim at the moment, but he could, could still be there for... A number of games to come. Uh, it was reported, I think, by Hidalgo Cope, reporting that he could still be on the bench for next weekend's game at Espanyol. Uh, they've equaled that historical record of winless matches in La Liga. It's it's really not looking good for them. Um, eight draws, eight defeats so far this season. Only six points off safety. So in theory, it's it's not unraveling yet. But they need to win games sooner rather than later. And they were the better side against Osasuna, 
Osasuna, by the way, have now gone seven without a win. So they started like a train this season, but they're, they're just starting to slide down a little bit. So that's worth a watch, I think, in, in the coming weeks. But uh, yeah, Levante, they just, they just didn't, didn't quite do enough. Um, they played okay um, through the thirds, but then, like you say, quite a lot of these teams, that, just that final you know, killer touch in the box is what was lacking. But um, I think Lissi will be quite quite pleased with, with two clean sheets in a row. Obviously, the cup, cup win was, was emphatic. Um, obviously, a different standard of opposition entirely. But uh, yeah, he, he'll be quietly confident with the kind of more resolute defending that they managed to show today. Um, but yeah, away at Espanyol next week is not going to be easy. Um, and then, of course, Elche, the other new manager, Francisco, coming in. Um, and I thought Elche were good value for this. Uh, Cadiz, as you, I think as you tweeted, Cadiz conceding first early again, which throws their game plan out the window. They had a golden chance to equalise from the spot, but uh, Alex Fernandez hitting the post. And then Elche kind of second half, they got the second goal. Tete Morente, really nice goal. Fantastic diagonal from, from Gumbau. Really nice run from a kind of out to in from Tete Morente. He, he had a heavy first touch, but his second touch was fantastic just to take it past Ledesma. And then he finished it with his left foot. Really nice goal. Um, Gaddy's got one back late, but really they never really threatened to get that equaliser in there. And then Elche sentenced the game uh, kind of right at the end. So it's uh, it's, a, it's a peculiar one because Elche, the last time they scored three in La Liga was was against Cadiz. It was the back end of last season. And that scoreline was 3-1 as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Caddy could just ship in goals and, and that, that's got to be the concern because when they first came up last season, they were so resolute. I mean, we called them the yellow wall. They, they didn't concede a goal in their first, what, four away games last season? Which incredible. Um, mm. But now they're shipping goals. They've conceded 30, which is um, the, the highest in La Liga. They don't tend to score many either. So when you combine those, it's a bit of a recipe for disaster. And when you look at Hitafe showing a, quite a lot of signs of life, you, you fancy Hitafe to kind of push up a little bit. And then you've got, yeah, that mix of Alaves, Elche, Granada, even Celta, you'd have to say. It's it's going to be a real kind of uh, bun fight as we get into to Christmas. And um, there's, there's a few managers that could be under pressure. I mean, Tevera has obviously taken them all the way from the third tier, so he's got a lot of credit in the bank. But um, you do wonder quite how long they'll be able to kind of sustain this, this poor run of form. What do you think? Definitely, yeah. I mean... Cadiz, they're part of a, a list of teams whose own worst enemy stares them in the mirror. They just, uh, everything they can do to kind of sabotage the things that they want to do, which is sit, sit deep and defend and counter, they they seem to find ways of, of sort of thwarting that themselves as much as anyone else does. And Elche, good for them, new manager bounce, but I, I think this was uh, more of a reflection on Cadiz than it was on, on Elche in my mind. But yeah, worrying times for them and they they need to sort this out because once you get a negative run of mm. kind of the same issue and you can't sort it out, I think that's when you see teams really sort of get into trouble. Yeah, spiral decline seems to have set in there. Um, so yeah, that, that's the fixtures. That's the roundup of the matches. We've still got MVP and our moments to come. Um, so yeah, in terms of in terms of MVP then, Rory, we've, we've had to pick two from Real Madrid because, you know, it was just such an impressive result more than anything. And, and like we mentioned in the chat, a lot of a lot of standout players, but uh, you've gone for one Brazilian centre-back. General Militao, he was just so commanding in the centre of defence. He was everywhere. It was one of those sort of um, defensive performances that kind of 
should appear in a film that, that, that doesn't really happen where he's blocking everything he's throwing himself in the way he's leaping highest to win the headers it, it yeah he was just absolutely point perfect and yeah he, he's there's been points in the season where he's perhaps not been perfect but against Real Sociedad I, I couldn't fault him there. I think it's one of the best centre-half performances we've seen this season. Big shout, big shout. I think at one point as well when they're celebrating a goal there was a couple of bottles thrown on the pitch. I think he cleared one of those as well during the celebration so that, <laughs> that just kind of sums up his game. Um, the one I've gone for is perhaps a little bit little bit tongue-in-cheek but I think Lukijovic deserves it really. He's been written off so much. Um, <laughs> He, he's barely had a kick uh, lately, but then of course when Karim Benzema goes down, you know the, the fear and panic that Madridistas <laughs> must have had is uh, is shocking. Um, it must be said it hasn't been confirmed if he's out of the Atleti game next week, but he will certainly miss the Inter game midweek um, as Real Madrid look to finish top and basically avoid the English sides in the knockouts. Um, but yeah, Lukijovic, a fantastic assist uh, for Vinicius's goal, and then a goal himself. Um, He's just been a, an unexpected bonus for Ancelotti, really. Um, all this talk of rotation or not rotation and reliance on Benzema Vinicius. But then when Luka Jovic comes on and, and does that in a game when he, he wouldn't have been expecting to get that much game time, he really sees his opportunity. And yeah, you, you can't argue with it. A goal and an assist away from home at Real Sociedad is, is very impressive. Not many teams go there and score. So yeah, hats off to him. Uh, Rory, your, your second pick. Uh, we're going back to Rio again, aren't we? Yeah, back to the river, the fountain of, of youth and fun is Alvaro Garcia, who, yeah, just a goal came from him. And I think he's got now sort of five goals. That goal was an own goal that was credited to Leandro Cabrera. But yeah, he's such a big part of their threat. And Isi Palathon, who, who's been very good and is very good, he was sort of uh, marked out as the threat coming from, up from the second division. But Alvaro Garcia, his, I mean, it's hard to kind of think of a better winger. I mean, Vinicius, yeah, okay. But apart from him, hard to really think of a better winger or a more dangerous winger so far this season. And he sort of continued that on. And until somebody finds a way to stop that left-hand side of Rayo, then I, I'm going to sort of keep praising them and they're going to keep winning at home because, uh, yeah, his performance today was, was match-winning along with Fran Garcia. Absolutely. And uh, after the game, I think uh, he was asked by reporters, um, you know, what, what do you think Luis Enrique thought of his performance today? So he's already <laughs> been touted as a possible, uh, you know, inclusion in Spain squads uh, in 2022. And, and as you say, on form, absolutely, why not? Uh, finally then for MVP, I've gone for Lucas Acampos. Um, he's, he's, been a, he's been a strange trajectory for him because his first season at Sevilla was fantastic. He was really spearheading their charge to finish top four and then of course that Europa League win. Um, last season he perhaps wasn't quite at the races for, for the whole season. But then this year he started slow, but he's really coming into form. Uh, I think he scored in each of his last three games at the Ramon Sanchez Pituan. And uh, yeah, this goal was, was obviously important um, to get that one they win over Villarreal, to keep them second. And uh, yeah, as you say, they're in a bit of form now. Okay, they lost to Real Madrid, but a draw would have, would have been perfectly plausible in that game. So uh, they're looking pretty solid. They're looking like they can find goals from a few different sources now. And uh, I think Ocampos staying fit and continuing to be at this level is going to be very important for Sevilla over this busy period. So that's MVP. Uh, we'll finish off with our moments of the week. Um, and Rory, you've gone for uh, 
you've gone for a, a goal, which, but it's not for the goal as such, it's for what happened after the goal, isn't it? It's for a moment of absolute genius, Matt. Iago Aspas, just to sort of paint a picture here, um, starts limping as the play, play sort of develops. The Valencia defender loses the ball. Iago Aspas has slipped in, so he starts running again. Step over, beats his man, slots it into the bottom corner, which is a great goal. Between sort of running off to celebrate, he realizes again, well, he's sort of, he's aware of his injury. Between him sort of getting down onto the floor to, to sort of, uh, uh, yeah, rest, and because and, and, he can't run, he manages to take his shirt off and get a booking, which means he'll be suspended for the next game, knowing that he's probably going to be injured for it. And I think that presence of mind in that moment between scoring a goal and going down injured to get to get your shirt off, I, I mean, the genius of Iago Aspas is normally limited to his feet, but I, I, I can't think of, I, I've, I've never seen that before, and fair play to him for, for coming up with that. Um, I, I thought that was just ice cool from him. Absolute mastery, wasn't it? And uh, <laughs> Salta will miss him for sure. Well, hopefully the injury isn't too bad, but uh, as we say, speediest least, recovery. Yeah, at least one game he'll be missing, um, but hopefully not too many more. Um, but I think we have to end with uh, with Mallorca, a fantastic victory for them. Definitely. Away from home at the Wanda Metropolitano. It's, it's the first time Atleti have lost a game at the Wanda in the league, having scored first. And it's also the first time Simeone's lost to a recently promoted side as well so kind of writing all the kind of wrong history that, that you want there but uh, as for Mallorca perfect execution of a counter-attack so yeah we have to end with with Mallorca's YouTube channel uh, the, the official channel commentating on the game live we have to end with their kind of euphoric commentary of that goal so uh, thank you very much for listening to this pod hope you've enjoyed it thanks you Rory uh, thanks Roman and Owen earlier in the show too stay tuned for all the coverage of the midweek action as it unfolds in the European competitions. Um, keep it La Liga Lowdown website, laligalowdown.com for all your, your articles there. Um, but yeah, we, we end with Mallorca. Thanks for listening and uh, enjoy your week. Vamos, Ángel, vamos, Ángel, vamos, Ángel, vamos, Mafeo. Venga, tendremos una. Tírasela, tírasela, toque. Vamos, taque, vamos, taque, vamos, taque. Mano, 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 colobla, taque, 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 taque. Gol, 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 g